The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. going on we are officially in december the last month of the year your greatest accomplishment of 2021 is surviving but i hope you had moments of thriving too yeah if you follow me on twitter you'll see that i have bread and honeypot emojis in my name display for so long, I've told myself that I didn't need much. I just I just wanted what I needed to get by. You know, I wanted to have all my basic needs met. That would be enough, you know, that I just want to be comfortable or I just I just want to make sure that I have a roof over my head and food in the kitchen, right? The bread of life. But as they say, we cannot live by bread alone. And I have to admit that I want the sweet parts of life too. Give me the honey. I have a home, shelter, but I wanted it bright and spacious, right? I had food that would provide nutrition and fuel for my body, but I also wanted the occasional succulent short ribs over a pile of perfectly seasoned garlic mashed potatoes with garlic bread and buttery, peppery green beans. I want to enjoy my life, not just tolerate it. This is the only life that I have, uh, at least as far as I know. <laughs> and I want it to be lush and full, not Spartan, not neutral, not just me getting by. And I want that for you. So I hope that the new year is full of bread and honey, all for you. This is the time of year for nostalgia. You know, all the family get-togethers and the friendsgivings and the way that we celebrate our chosen families and all that good stuff. And we start thinking about who and what's not here anymore. We start thinking about our childhood and the things that we had that we don't have anymore. There are all these old muddy photos taken on outdated technology or maybe someone has digitized some old movies and you get to look at all that kind of cute boxy heavy equipment that we used to carry around in order to document our lives. You know, somewhere in storage, I have an old beat-up VHS tape of Purple Rain and one of Dirty Dancing, two of my favorite movies of all time. I used to work at Blockbuster Video when I was in college, and even though everyone knew the Be Kind and Rewind, half of the tapes were returned without being rewound at all. Actually, I secretly enjoyed that because we had these individual rewinders. They were just little, these little like pop-up cassette 
decks that you would put the VHS tape in, press it down, rewind it. It would take like a minute, if that. And it would work. That was like annoying, but also really perfect. And then it would pop up and it would be a really noisy, clunky sound when it popped up. And I love the sound of that. I love hearing that clank (laughs) that would happen when it would pop up. It was so good. It was so great. And I kind of miss that. And I know that I'm not the only one out there who has a fondness for VHS tapes. In fact, I asked one of my buddies to come on the show and talk a little bit about his own collection of these tapes. Tyler Sorensen is an audio ad producer who has worked at some of the big names in podcasting. He knows his stuff. He also hosts Different Head, an online radio show dedicated to alternative music from the 1980s. So we already know that he's like really into nostalgia. The thing about Tyler's VHS tapes is that they're mostly erotic thrillers. Those movies that are basically film noir gone super, super cheesy. I was a little surprised (laughs) at his collection myself. (laughs) I was not expecting that. And you'll see why once you listen to our conversation. But he and I do talk about that collection. And I learned so much about him and the genre itself. Quick programming note. I am taking the week of Christmas off. I hope that you do too. I'll be back January 7th with a whole new episode that I know you're going to enjoy. This episode is sponsored by Dipsy. The holidays can be a challenging time for many reasons, so make sure you take time for yourself. Wouldn't it be nice to get lost in a world where good things happen and where your pleasure is the only priority? Dipsy is an app full of short, sexy stories designed to turn you on. Listen to stories about hooking up with your hometown crush you never made a move on, or that coworker you always had a little thing for. Or maybe a story that puts you in bed with someone who's telling you exactly what they'd like to do to you. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash thisisgood. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash thisisgood. dipsystories.com slash thisisgood. I'm Tyler Sorensen, and I write podcast ads for a living, but in my free time, I collect VHS tapes. I'm so happy to have you on the show today because I'm excited to talk about what we're going to talk about. Because it's I don't want to say it's weird, but it is weird, and I love it. <laughs> we're going to talk about VHS tapes. Yeah. If you grew up in a certain time, you perhaps had a family entertainment center or a VHS collection of your own, but these are the, uh, yeah, the big black plastic cassette tapes that uh, you pop in your VCR and uh, you watch just by yourself or whoever is in the same room with you. It's a, it's a wild concept. 
<laughs> I used to work at Blockbuster Video, and oh. obviously that was during the time of VHS. And it was so shocking when the movie Good Burger came out because the VHS tape was orange. And everybody wanted that orange tape, and we had so many of them stolen because mm. it, they were so different. You know, everyone was used to the industrial black tapes that, that we had. Have you collected any tapes that were a different color? You know, in my time as a collector, which has been about, I don't know, 10 years or so now, I only have acquired one colored VHS cassette tape. It's a uh, like a magenta color. And the motion picture is something, I think it's called uh, Hotel Exotica or The Erotic Castle. It's one of those two, but it's magenta. Right, because the VHS tapes that you collect are mostly erotic thrillers. Is that right? <laughs> That's sort of the genre I have fallen into. I started, you know, I wanted to watch bad movies, B-movies. You know, you start with, like, the horror pictures, the science fiction movies, and then somewhere along the line, in my case, you, you pick up this tape called Undercover Heat, and you're like, what is this about? This is... <laughs> This looks kind of titillating. I'm going to take this home with me. And uh, uh, my life has never been the same. Yeah. (laughs) Direct-to-video erotic thrillers. Not your mainstream Hollywood. I mean, Fatal Attraction or whatever, Basic Instinct, they have a place. But my favorite are the straight-to-video, schlocky, late-night, Skinamax erotic thrillers. I love it. I love it. So that was the first tape that you bought. Where were you? Where did you get it? In college, I would have my friends, I bought a VCR from a thrift store across the street, and I would be like, hey, let's let's watch this movie called Trancers 4 and, like, make fun of it or whatever. Then I moved to New York, and I still collected, but it became more of, like, a less of a social hobby and more of, like, a personal hobby. And so I'm in this uh, Brooklyn furniture store in the back, and I find this tape from 1995 called Undercover Heat. I think it's also called Undercover. And uh, I guess it featured the lead actress in like a a police uniform, but it didn't look exactly like uh, any police officer I've ever seen. So (laughs) I was intrigued and I picked it up. I brought it home and uh, (laughs) the opening shot was like, I'm I'm somewhat prudish, so I don't know how to describe these things, but the opening shot was somewhat gratuitous and I knew like oh this is something different they're not even they're not even trying to like pass (laughs) this off as like a narrative this is just a low budget thriller and every 10 minutes every 8 to 12 minutes we have to have our our simulated sex scene and I think they are the funniest (laughs) laugh out loud movies I've ever come across so have you ever done any like mystery science theater 3000 kind of screenings with you and your friends with these movies um I've never said, guys, come over. Let's watch Body Chemistry 4, Fatal Exposure or whatever. (laughs) And, like, let's just, like, laugh through this thing. Because I think, you know, I could watch, like, I guess half a dozen simulated sex scenes in a 90-minute film with my friends. But I don't know. I've never never done that. (laughs) I know you. We used to work together when I first started doing a Thursday kit with Bim. And actually, dear listeners, Tyler is the person who came up with the name Thirst Aid Kit. Yes, just go to rhymezone.com and <laughs> put in 
thirst and you'll find what rhymes with it. And, uh, you know, it's 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 in there. (laughs) Well, thank you. You have blessed us and thousands of listeners. We still get so many emails about the show and tweets and stuff. So you are an integral part of what made the show the show. But we used to work together. And I know that you would consider yourself from the Midwest. Yeah, I I grew up uh, all over the Midwest. Um, My dad was involved in terrestrial radio so we moved around a lot but i always tell people minnesota is home for me okay and so you do have a little bit of that kind of uh i don't want to call it prudishness but you that's what you said yourself but you are a person who is uh, a bit reserved and you are not necessarily going to be explicit you know every now and then you might curse and that's about it but that you know but you also kind of hang around those of us who are a bit bolder with these things and it could tell that you are just observing observing and trying to just like see oh this is what other people do huh what can I take in for my life uh, from what they are sharing with me yeah I was very much a late bloomer and I think I've sort of tried to keep a little bit of that naivete or wholesomeness with me and I allow myself yes to be exposed to perhaps um hmm uh intoxicating influences corruption <laughs> I don't know <laughs> I can be corrupted okay <laughs> Yes, and we try our best to corrupt you. Um, Like, we are, like, the naughty, older, next-door neighbors trying to ruin your life. That's an erotic thriller, too. That's the whole concept. Yeah, It is. It is. And maybe that's part of the reason why you gravitate towards us. And when I say us, I'm talking about me, my friend Tracy. So, yeah, so the rest of us that you hang out with, we kind of are a little brash sometimes. And so, with all of that, is that part of the appeal for these erotic thrillers for you? It's like seeing what other people found attractive in these types of movies. Yeah, I was thinking about this over the past week. Why do I like these movies or what do I find in them? Because on one level, I think they're just, they're bad. I think they're, they're not good. They're, they're not helpful for society, really. <laughs> they're reductive. Like in, ero- in erotic thrillers... The men are dupes and the women are duplicitous. And I don't know if that's like a good message or worldview to, to have. What I noticed in the way I kind of write about myself and maybe think about myself is the male protagonist of an erotic thriller is often somewhat passive. He gets kind of picked up in the flurry of this extraordinary like encounter or something that happens. And he allows things to happen to him or yeah, is the fall guy or gets swept up in this thing. I guess I kind of think about myself in a similar way where I've had interactions with people and and I often think about myself in that similar way. Like, you know, like I just think about myself like, here's an extraordinary thing that happened to me, something I would not have expected 10 years ago in my naivete. And here I am in the big city and I'm getting, I'm experiencing things that I kind of always dreamt about as a child in a how should I say, sheltered Midwestern environment. So I think there's something to that. Mm, And you get to experience these things in the safety of your home, a little detached from them, and you're not truly at risk of being corrupted, (laughs) you know? Yeah, it's safe. And I mean, it's mostly entertainment. It's not like uh, I don't take these films seriously. But, you know, I have gotten into the habit of Late at night, if I'm out walking with my headphones on, yeah, I'll put on the soundtrack to 
body heat, and I'll hear that soft, sultry saxophone, and I'll think, yeah, you know, this is my life. <laughs> In the big city, the underbelly, the tenderloin, I guess I kind of play the part of, like, a man for whom something extraordinary could happen to. Oh, I love that. I love that. So I see erotic thrillers as this kind of, not an overcorrection, but just like someone has taken noir, film noir, and then got to the 80s and was like, well, we can show tits now. Let's put the tits in film noir and just lost their minds, um, <laughs> you know, or they someone had too much money and they needed to spend money for tax reasons or something like that. And they created this genre, especially those straight to video ones, because like no one sees them like you have to be looking for them. So why VHS tapes as opposed to DVDs? Part of it is nostalgia. I grew up with VCRs and I Currently now, I've like averaged like I watch one tape. I watch several tapes every every week usually. And when the Internet first came out, I wanted to be connected all the time. I wanted to feel like I was a part of something like a, a global conversation. But now, like 20 years later, I'm like, there's something special now about a hyper local media experience where I'm in my apartment, which in the past year or two, I've decked out now with like pink neon lights and I tried to like make it resemble something of the, the ambience of like a cocktail bar and I'll pop in the tape and there's something about knowing like there's machinery happening right now allowing me to view this thing and it's just me. No one knows I'm watching this. It's just me watching it and I had to go somewhere physically to pick it up, whether it's in a furniture store in Brooklyn or a garage sale in Scranton, Pennsylvania or whatever, I had to go somewhere and I found it. And the physicality of it, the tangible aspect to it is something that uh, I guess I want to preserve. Yeah, I was thinking about how VCRs, if you had a fancy one, you could fast forward or rewind very slowly like you could do the slow speed and um you could pick up you could go frame by frame and you could pick up on like the wires hanging down from a special effect like a stunt or something like that or you could see if you were pervert you could see like a flash of somebody's boob that wasn't supposed to happen or like whatever um and so i was thinking how that was a little better this old clunky technology was a little better than the way that we have to rewind on our streaming services now because we don't always have that slow motion rewind or slow motion fast forward. So if we want to try to like catch something, we then have to go to maybe a third party device to record illegally sometimes um, the scene and then use the slow-mo or like do our own editing and stuff like that. But with VCRs, with the tapes, you could do that right then and there and just be like, put your nose on the screen and see all this stuff that you weren't really supposed to see behind the scenes. Uh, so I miss that part of VCRs. Yeah, I recently got a remote for mine and I'm like, oh, look, at I can sit on the couch and press pause and rewind frame by frame. Like I'm living in luxury here. Like this is <laughs> this is really nice. And uh, I even had to my VCR wasn't working. So I had to pop open the top this year. There was no picture. And so I 
learned like how to clean with alcohol the video heads and it started working after that and it's like there's something so satisfying after like by fixing a 20 year old piece of hardware that no one has any reason to continue using but um i feel a special connection to it yeah yeah. So where are you finding these tapes? Because you mentioned the furniture store and you also mentioned a garage sale. So how are you how are you finding these tapes? It's getting a lot harder to find VHS tapes, Nicole, because the major thrift outlets, you know, Goodwill, Salvation Army, they're phasing VHS tapes out. So they won't even accept them. So I have a Google map set up where I have like confirmed VHS tapes are there. And I have, like, prospective, possible VHS tapes might be at this other place. So it's searching for, like, local thrift stores and things like that. But uh, one of the highlights of this year for me, I rented a car and drove two hours west into rural Pennsylvania for a thing called VHS Fest. Wow, okay. (laughs) This was a drive-in movie theater, uh, like a two-day festival, and vendors from all over the country came and collectors likewise showed up and I bought a hundred tapes in one one outing and like you can find like it's amazing like I think I'm the only one in the world who watches erotic thrillers on VHS but no there's a vendor out there and they specialize in this category and they price them and there's a whole market for these things so it, it is getting harder to find but I have to just be more creative. Do you like to explore? You talk about like walking through the city and just like popping into places because you never know what you're going to find there. But that's also part of who you are. You like to go out and explore uh, the world and what's around you. Another thing I've discovered this year is there are VHS trading groups. So several times this year, I've gone to the post office and there's this thing called media mail where you're able to send certain types of media through the U.S. Postal Service at a cheaper rate. And VHS tapes are included in the media mail pricing. So I've gotten into trading tapes with people where it's like an act of faith, where it's like, okay, you send me the tape, you send me The Art of Dying from the late 80s or whatever, this low-grade trashy thriller, and I'll send you Invisible Mom, which I picked up years ago. And we are... We're going to act as if, okay, we're doing this. We're sending each other tapes without any any cash trading hands. And so I go to the post office and I'm like, I'm sending a VHS tape. And then I always have to have some sort of conversation. <laughs> like, really? Really? They think I'm lying or like the clerks like to talk about the Disney tapes and how they're supposed to be popular or whatever. But yeah, it's a, it's a thing I've gotten into. What is... Your top three most prized tapes that you will never trade, never part with. This is never leaving my side. Hmm. Well, these will not necessarily be erotic thrillers, but one tape I will never trade is one I found in Superior, Wisconsin, a twin city of Duluth, Minnesota, in 2016. I was traveling up there, and I went to a thrift store, and I picked up a tape called A Stranger in Time. And this was a lost family children's film from about 1990, never reissued on DVD, never reissued on a streaming service. I got this tape and I talked about it on my radio show. I played a few songs from this forgotten children's movie and uh, the director reached out to me. Oh, wow. Because he heard my radio show and 
I interviewed him and talked about, <laughs> I talked about the film that no one, no one has seen this movie. And yet here I am like having a conversation with the director who, who found me. And that is one I will uh, never give away. So yeah, that was, that was a big one. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, I can also say like, I found home movies, Nicole, like, I don't know if they're from estate sales or what, like someone threw out their home movies happens all the time. And and then someone else at a thrift shop is like, okay, uh, Christmas uh, Cruise, 1997, handwritten on the side of this VHS tape. Okay, that's a dollar. Like, they're just pricing family movies. And, and a dream of mine is to, like, I don't know if I could, like, reunite some of these tapes with uh, their original families who discarded them or lost them. But that's those are some other ones I would not trade. Mm. In these home movies, have you ever found some really... X-rated home movies that probably should not have been tossed out <laughs> for the public to pick up. Never anything that was uh, home recorded or like taped at home. But I have found I was in Brooklyn, Bushwick several years ago, and I found a box of VHS tapes on the sidewalk. And there was a dirt encrusted tape with no sleeve and the side just said hot date scribbled on it. <laughs> and so I took that home and I popped it in. And what I found was someone had kind of curated like a pornography playlist on VHS. Mm -hmm. And it's like the quality is sort of wavering and it's fuzzy. And, you know, I get a huge kick out of the music they use to score these things from the 90s. Like I've gotten really into new age and smooth jazz because of that's just what they use to soundtrack these sorts of things. And yeah, I found this tape called Hot Date that was like little clips that someone had personally taped together because at the very end of Hot Date, there's like half of the Harrison Ford movie Air Force One without any sound, just like at the very end of it. Uh, I, I love that because that's what we used to do. You know, you would cover the little on the side of the tape that sticks out of the VCR, shall we say. Yeah, there's a tab, I think. Right, there's a tab, and you would just, if it was hollow, you would cover it with a piece of tape, and that's how you would have a new tape to record stuff on, and you would record stuff off the TV. Or, uh, what have you learned about cinematography based on the way that, like, 80s movies transitioned into 90s movies, into 2000s movies, and the ways that people want to watch erotic thrillers. I'm drawn to these movies partly because of the aesthetic of them. The aesthetics of them are appealing to me. I like watching, like, you know, a 360 camera go around a bed with a canopy and candles in the foreground and soft saxophone in the background. I think that's really funny, and I, I howl to myself when I watch these things, and I think... I like the uh, the Vaseline on the lens, you know, the softness of it. I think um, this genre, people say that the internet killed it. But the last year of the erotic thriller in its heyday was like 1995. And even by then, the internet wasn't completely as popular as it would become even a few years after that. So I think it was just market saturation kind of killed the erotic thriller and, and perhaps other elements too. But... Uh, I yes, I, I adore the uh, the sincere romantic 
earnestness of the way they shoot these films. The erotic thriller, I wouldn't like it if it was if it wasn't so self-serious. Its selling is kind of predicated on the fact that you have to believe it's it's plausible to some extent. And that's what makes these movies so entertaining to watch is because they're bad and they're earnest. <laughs> and too many movies nowadays, they're bad and they know they're bad and they're trying to like wink at the audience. Mm. I don't want to be winked at. I'm going to wink at you. You know, that's how I feel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I get that. Have there been any celebrities or stars that we know now that are you know, like big A-list stars that you have seen getting their first starts in some of these thrillers that you've watched? Um, what I've read about this genre is that it's sort of like if you're in these movies at that time, you're you're either on your way up or you're on your way down. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest success stories, you mentioned cinematography. The director of photography, I think his name is Wally Pfister. He started doing the photography for direct-to-video erotic thrillers in the early 90s, movies called Night Rhythms and Animal Instincts. He would later go on to become the... Uh, the DP, the cinematographer for movies like Inception, Dark Knight. He works with Christopher Nolan, Wally Pfister, and he got his start doing these direct-to-video, like, I think he's kind of responsible for making them look as good as some of them did. I think some of these movies have no right to look as good as they do because of this one individual. So that's the the best example I can think of. Wow. How do you know, yes, this is going to be a good tape. I want this in my collection. I like to go just by the cover art, you know, VHS was maybe, I guess, DVD to an extent, but VHS, like some of the the cover art for these tapes is is really beautiful and uh, of its time. I mean, these are the things that adorned the walls of Blockbuster where you worked and like that was why you picked up a movie sometimes because it looked interesting. I go by uh, the cover and names Shannon Tweed, if she's in a film, I'll pick it up. Shannon Worry was another actress. Uh, I guess they were all named Shannon back then. And uh, there are a few directors. I, I hesitate to say names because I don't feel ashamed for watching these movies, but I don't know if they should be any more popular than they are either. Like, I think mm. they perpetuate some bad ideas. And I don't know if the directors are perhaps responsible for that too, you know, like Mm. complicit in that. So yeah, that's how I do it. I get that. A while ago, you came up with an erotic thriller title generator. Yes, I did. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And you, I got the uh, Nicole Perkins bump on Twitter. I've watched enough of these movies where I, I know the formula. Part of the pleasure of genre is knowing the formula and then knowing how they subtly tweak the formula. The film Fatal Attraction, I think, really set the blueprint for what an erotic thriller title is. So I basically, in my apartment, came up with a list of adjectives and a list of nouns. The adjectives were like deadly, desirable, dangerous, lethal. The erotic thriller has elements of sex and death. That's sort of what it's about. Then the nouns would be like uh, passion, dreams, attraction, or instincts desire, whatever. And so, uh, yeah, you put in your initial of your first name and your last name and you get a, an erotic thriller from the 90s. And the thing is, I think many of them actually do exist if you actually look them up, too. <laughs> I'm going to look mine up because mine 
is Deadly Confessions. And I feel like that is definitely out there somewhere. And if it's not a movie, it's someone's book title or something. I'm Carnal Whispers. And I think, you know what, I did for my own benefit kind of scramble the combinations until I was satisfied with my name. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, now it's ready. Carnal Whispers, that's me. Okay, if I use the H for hosier, then I would be Deadly Desire. Okay, I like that one. That <laughs> that's good. <laughs> that's that's excellent. You tweeted this, and then of course I shared it because it's fantastic and incredible. I did go. I look at people's responses, and I do enjoy like reading what their title was and their reaction to it. I was surprised. A lot of people were like, you know, this isn't that bad. I kind of I like this. I would watch this. So I was <laughs> I was pleased. So you've talked about watching these and realizing that some of the stuff that's being perpetuated in these movies is not great. Obviously, since they're from the 80s and the 90s, they are probably not that diverse um, or there is a lot of racism and homophobia and things like that. So when you're watching these, do you have to kind of sit with yourself and say, I can't look at this with just a 2021 lens. I have to remember when this was created. Yeah, that's a good question. I guess my aim is to laugh and groan at the same time and watch these films with those two eyes, so to speak. I do try to balance it out. It's not like I watch these films completely passively. I like to read a lot of literature, a lot of uh, film criticism. I have this book called uh, The Erotic Thriller in Contemporary Cinema, written by a film scholar named Linda Ruth Williams, who takes sort of a, a feminist look at the genre and even goes into the direct-to-video titles. And I like to read that and understand like the deeper context and messages that these films are depicting. They're also highly puritanical and... It's interesting to think of them like in the context of Reagan's 80s and Bill Clinton's 90s and what what message they are saying. I mean, uh, that's the other part of it is like, I guess that's what I'm still working through in my head. Like as someone who loves culture from the 1980s, how can I enjoy that and also still be mindful and aware of its many problems at the same time? Do you collect any non-American erotic thrillers? Hmm. Uh, I have a few from Japan, actually. I think they're called Assassin Woman or something like that. I just picked them up a, a month or two ago. And it is interesting to see how they uh, are kind of mirroring the same sensibilities of American cinema for that audience. I think part of why I like direct-to-video, in contrast to the Hollywood variety of erotic thrillers is you get more diversity a little bit. You get, you have more female directors. There's also a very small number. There was a TV film starring uh, Carl Weathers and <laughs> Billy D. Williams mm -hmm. called Dangerous Passion. And I think that's the only erotic thriller from that time period that has, I think, an all-black cast of principal performers. And it doesn't do anything really radically different from the formula, but it does recast it. And I think that's really fascinating to me. And I've never seen any contemporary criticism or retrospectives on that film, but 
I mean, I think a lot of these films are, yeah, they're just kind of like the gasping defense of straight white cis male supremacy. Yeah, um, and it's only been recently that we have started to have black stars who are in this genre. I'm thinking of there's this film called The Perfect Guy that stars Sinai Lathan. And so I'm I'm definitely going to look up. You said it was called Dangerous Passions. Yeah, Dangerous Passion. You know, that's okay. like one straight out of the generator. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to look for that and see what that's all about. Awesome. Um, and where can our listeners find you if they want to talk to you about VHS tapes and erotic thrillers? The best way to reach me is on Twitter. My name on Twitter is Tyler Sorensen, S-O-R-E-N-S-E-N. Perfect. Thank you so much. This was fun. I love this. You, I actually learned a lot about erotic thrillers. I'm surprised. I surprised myself. I'm really flattered you invited me. So thanks so much for having this conversation with me. Now it's time for The Indulgence, where I recommend something you can enjoy without guilt or shame. My indulgence for today is an album called Catching Leaves by Avi Wisnia. My friend Julia shared it on her Instagram stories, and I decided to check it out. I had honestly never heard of the artist before, but I was really intrigued by his album cover, which is Avi standing in front of a mural, this beautiful painting of trees gone golden with fall. Like It was just a really beautiful painting. I was feeling very fall-like at the moment, you know, the leaves were falling and all that good stuff. And so I decided, let me pick up this album. Let me go listen to it. And so I did. I pulled it up on Spotify and I really liked it. It sounds like if Charlie Brown moved to Texas, fell in love with a big-legged woman who then broke his heart, so he decided to do yoga to get his life back in order. And I mean that in the highest, strictest of compliments, okay? <laughs> it's not music I would normally listen to or look for. I went to his Wikipedia page, which describes his music as a combination of bossa nova, acoustic folk, and contemporary pop. That's quite a blend, <laughs> and the album is really good, and I've listened to it a few times now. At some point in my mid-30s, as I was getting older, I stopped trying to keep up with new music as a way of trying to stay young and hip and fresh and poppin' or whatever the right slang is for that, right? <laughs> so I've missed out on a lot of good music that way. But then I realized my tastes in music have also changed. I used to want to listen to music, you know, to keep me hype and like to prepare me for going out with my girls. And I still do, of course, sometimes, you know, but I would listen to a lot of music that would just have me like bopping my head or feeling like I wanted to move my body in a particular way. But now I want peace and strong lyrics and like talented voices. Or I want to hear the musicianship and the composition when I'm listening to music now, that really helps me. And so that has exposed me to different kinds of new music. It's all still new, but it's just different. I can still be hip to new artists, but maybe they aren't necessarily top 40 anymore. And again, that's fine. That doesn't make them any less talented. It doesn't make me any less connected to what's new and what's going on in the world. It just means that I am changing and I'm okay with that. Music serves many needs in my life. And I think it serves many needs in yours as well. So don't be afraid of letting go of 
wanting to stay in touch with the top 100 songs out there. Get some new music in your life. So even if this is not the kind of music you may typically listen to, go check it out. It's really good. My favorite songs are Harvest Moon and It's Gonna Rain Today. And that album, again, is Catching Leaves by Avi Wisnia. This has been your indulgence. You have been absolved. This is Good For You is hosted by me, Nicole Perkins, and produced by Multitude. Our lead producer is Eric Silver. Our editor is Brandon Grugel. And our executive producers are Amanda McLaughlin and me. Our theme was created by Don Will, and our art is by Jessica E. Boyd. You can follow the show at This Is Good Pod, and you can follow me at Tennessee Whiskey Woman. That's T-N, whiskey with an E, woman. And a huge, huge thank you to everyone who supports the show on Patreon, especially to our supporting producer-level patrons, Chelsea, Conchetta, Courtney, Elizabeth, and Mira. To get exclusive rewards like stickers, monthly playlists curated by me, and even custom drabbles written just for you, join us for as little as $5 a month at patreon.com slash thisisgoodpod. This was good for me. Was it good for you?